Welcome to all of our two and four legged listeners. It's Nathan here from Rightpool, and welcome to What the Bark. Uh, we're really excited today because we are back to our normal programming because we have Genetic George back and in the hot seat. George, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back, Nathan. I thought for a minute then I was uh, I was going to be left out of the pot. Look, I apologise to all the listeners that I've sort of been quiet for a while, but I'm okay. I just needed a break from a lot of things. And, you know, I, I was, I think Imogen done a great job in my absence. But the feedback I, I, I've got is that they really have missed Genetic George. And I'm back. I'm, I'm refreshed. Love it. It did. It wasn't the same without you. We missed, we missed the, the wisdom. We missed the tangents. We missed the, 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 Dion doorbell questions. And that's right. And it was all part of just the queen passing away. I just couldn't cope. So I had to take some time off like most people. Yeah. And Charles gave me a call on sort of how to handle things. And I've helped him manage. Because as you know, my whole pets is named after the royal family. I've got Charlie and I've got Mary. And of course, there's George, myself. So people don't get the real sort of connection I have with um, the royal family, but I'm back. Yes, I, I know people would have missed me. The ratings would be would have gone south. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we we didn't. We noticed a dip. We did. <laughs> We're back again, and I guarantee you the ratings will go north now because we have a special guest on today that is well respected in the in the whole industry and looking, I might say, very professional in the office. Is I'll let you introduce today's guest, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. No, we um we're really excited. We've got uh, a fantastic breeder of cavoodles who's joining us today, um, who's going to talk to us a little bit about that really important period of time in a pet's life, which is that first eight weeks. But let's let's bring her in. Um, welcome, Sarah from Waterhill Cavoodles. Hello, thank you for having me, Sarah. Welcome. Yeah, I just thank had you. to mention. Really professional, your whole setup there, Sarah. I mean, you've put Nathan and myself to shame. Just lovely little office set, and you're having a coffee. I can see. What do you? What is your coffee style? Oh. Oh, what is it? Is it a soy latte? Just a normal? Don't go. No cappuccino, go double shot. I okay. do like a little dash of caramel. Oh, that's caramel. my that's my hot tip. Oh, caramel in it. I'll mm-hmm. have to try that. Nice. Well. Good to good to have you on board as a, a cavoodle. Remind me, you're from Waterhill Cavoodles. Where is yes. Waterhill Cavoodles? We are on the Sunshine Coast, very nice part of the world. We're about thirty kilometres inland from Noosa, which I think most people, if they know where the Sunshine Coast is at all in Queensland, mm. are probably familiar with Noosa. So we're in the hinterland area on the northern part of the coast, and we have a eighty acre property there that is called Waterhill. Nice, Noosa. Well, mm. I don't know about you, Nathan, but I am familiar. My partner is from the Sunshine Coast, from Nambour. Ah. Oh, I love Nambour. Mm. Yep. Nambour, the sugar town with the sugar train. Correct. Great town. Mm. Famous for two famous politicians coming from Nambour. Ah, uh, yes. Which will yes. leave we're not get- Yeah, We won't go into that. <laughs> we we go can't into get that. into politics already. No, we can't because we? we could spend another hour on that. So <laughs> you're up there and I, it's a, up in Noosa and it's Waterhill Cavoodles. Yes. And and Sarah, t- tell us tell us a bit about yourself and you know how you started breeding because I, I know cavoodles weren't the first breed that you were you were interested in. No, no. I, will, I was born 
a dog lover, I think, um, and luckily my family was dog lovers. But our original passion was German Shepherds and that really is the dog that all of my childhood memories around puppies and dogs are all German Shepherds. Uh, my auntie was a breeder of German Shepherds and uh, they were really our favourite dog. In fact, mum and dad now in their 70s, sorry, mum and dad, uh, still have their German Shepherd, Bella, who is their very spoilt fourth child. So, yeah, German Shepherds feature in my family life mostly. Um, but cavoodles are my new passion, definitely. All started with my very first cavoodle, Frankie, who I did buy it to have as pet, um, but ended up breeding. So I just I fell in love with the breed and I still have very close love of German Shepherds, but what uh, yeah. cavoodles are my new passion. Look, you know, I don't want to get upset any podcast, but your smart choice, German Shepherds, <laughs> Turtles, you know, anyone listening. You know, I will say, Sarah, they are one of our most popular breeds when it comes to testing. And in general, and I think I've discussed this before, whenever I go to a park, everyone seems to have a Cavoodle because they are just simply a nice dog, temperament-wise, family-wise, they appeal to a broad family. Am I right? Everyone, it just everyone seems to go, oh, they got a cavoodle because it just seems to, they seem to be, there's not one inch of aggression. If you do see anything in a cavoodle, like some of them can be a bit of bit yappy based on having more of the poodle in them, I suppose. But in general, every time I see them at a park, they approach in a very gentle manner. They're easy. They can be a bit, you know, crazy and a bit out there, which is something about their personalities. But very popular dog amongst every group. Is that well, something? Very. That... Look, I think, oh, I know I'm biased, but I think they're the perfect dog. Um, yeah. They've got so many attributes that they've taken the, if you take the best part of a cavalier, which is a, happy, friendly, lovable dog that's a perfect family dog, which is a great size. And then you take the best parts of a poodle, which is trainable, a bit more energetic, incredibly intelligent, and meld them both together. You end up with what I think is the perfect dog for families, for singles, for older people. Um, You know, I just don't think you can fault a cavoodle, and that's probably why in the last few years they have grown in popularity. popularity. They're very, yeah. very popular dog. Mm. Um, in the COVID times, it was incredibly manic with people wanting puppies of all sorts, but in particular cavoodles. But um, even before that, they, they're just a very popular yeah. dog for good reason. And mm. you know what? I, we, I have a saying that dogs did, it didn't come out of a Chinese lab, dogs developed COVID deliberately. <laughs> humans to go yeah. out there and buy them and have them as the perfect companion. Well, they are, yeah, they yeah. are, and the, yeah, the, the I think all the dog shelters in the world were uh, depleted of Even dogs as well, dogs. with people yeah. wanting companions wanting. at home. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, it's it's interesting. I mean, this is a, a bit of a, a side topic, but in terms of building, you know, the cavoodles as a new breed, you know, I know there are. There is work being done as well um, to create a bit more of a standard with the Cavoodle, which is interesting. You know, the MDBA have started a Theodore program, which is basically trying to build a bit more of a pedigree and a registry with Cavoodle. So there is a bit more standardization coming in the future, hopefully. Yes, and I think that's an acknowledgement of the popularity of the breed. 
And I always said the minute someone wants to make it a recognised pedigree or purebred dog that has a breed standard, I'll be first in line to achieve that because there's, you know, so many good things about the dog. But certainly um, standardising it, I think, so that we're all aiming to have the same sort of cavoodle because, um, right. yeah. you know, the same size, all those, all those things that come with a breed standard is a great idea. Mm. Excellent point you've raised, Nathan. And I was going to bring it up to it. It's a developmental breed, and it's one of the one of the one of the criticisms we get about you developmental breed people is that you don't have a particular standard. And if you look at the cavoodle, there is a lot of variation. Yes. And I have this debate with <clears throat> excuse me, a number of cavoodle breeders when they go, Oh, I did, you know, a breed ID test and it varied because your variation, you'll infuse it with different breeds to develop your particular cavoodle standard. And I think it will go a long way to getting some form of recognition by some of the member associations as maybe in the in the future being accepted as a as a recognized breed if you develop a standard you may need to also look at changing the name but i don't know that could be another issue which sometimes i raise because i'm i'm just wearing my traditional breeder hat here which unfortunately I have to balance both. So I think it's important that you look at trying to develop. I think it's great, great, great that you're all looking at what is a standard. It may upset some others, but those that don't want to be part of it don't. So I think, you know, you look at the Labradoodle, it's slowly being accepted more, isn't it? I think there's yeah. changing the they, name. Of it. They call it the, the Cobber Dog, which is... Cobber Dog, that's right. That's right, yes, yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that even though you've got... Um, you know, so, so much variation and so much, you know, change in a lot of the de developmental breeds. Like the one thing that's always important is, you know, they're pets at the end of the day, they've got to have a great temperament. They've got to have great, you know, start to life. And, and that really, you know, is what sets up, you know, what do you say, George, all the time, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's a pet that you're living with. Um, and, and I think that's why, you know, one of the topics we're here to talk about today is, all about that start to life and, and how you can make sure that whatever breed you're breeding, you're giving them the best possible start. And, and that's sort of in that, that first eight weeks that a puppy is, is with the breeder. And we, we, we had a, our podcast episode last week with Imogen where we spoke about, you know, training and, and, you know, the, the sort of period of time when you get your dog home, how do you make sure that you continue the breeder's good work? But we thought we'd, we'd take a step back this week and, and really look at that. Yeah. That, that first eight weeks and, I guess, Sarah, I wanted to understand from you, you know, why are those first eight weeks, why are they so important to a, to a healthy, happy puppy? I like to see the first eight weeks as an opportunity for me as the breeder to set the puppy up with a great foundation so that I'm giving a puppy to a family on handover day that has got, um, it's a perfect blank canvas, basically. But it's, you refer to taking a step back. I also think taking a step back from those eight mm. weeks is 12 weeks prior to that is choosing the perfect matched parents mm. to create the perfect puppy. And two years prior to that, adding the perfect breeding dogs to my breeding program. So I see the last 56 days or the first eight weeks of a dog's life as sort of the icing on the cake, um, but it is about building that foundation that I can then give yeah. a perfect puppy to a family to do all the other things that you need to do with training and socialisation, et cetera, to end up with the perfect dog. Wow. Sarah, have you ever thought of running for politics? Because you answer brilliantly. You know, that answer was just tick, tick. 
See, oh, Nathan, thank it's you. not just the first eight weeks. It's the years it's beforehand. True. It's selecting the right. It's yeah. it's not just anyone that thinks they can just come, come into this and get two dogs and put them together and it's eight weeks. It's not. So, yeah, well Absolutely said, valid know, point. You've got my vote if you're running Nambour. I know you could make the third, <laughs> third best politician to come out of the Sunshine Coast. Thank you very much. Never too late. <laughs> And, you know, I will say, too, I've been looking at your website, really like your website. Thank really you. well done. And I like the way you go healthy, happy, huggable. Who came up with that? There must be some other brains in the business apart from yourself. You're not going to take all this credit, are you? No, I can't take the credit for that. That was actually my husband that well, came yes. up with that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all credit to him. Good on. Shout out to your husband. What's his name? Mark. Mark, Mark well is done, his Mark. name. Yeah. Maybe, maybe dog lover as well. His dad Isn't was he? his dad Very actually nice. bred bred dogs and bred dogs for security, actually. So different world. But um, no, that was Mark's idea, and that was us brainstorming because we had we had all these fundamentals that we wanted in our puppies, but to say it really succinctly for people to understand. We could categorise each of the things that we did into those three things, which is healthy dogs, happy dogs, and huggable dogs. Three H's. And you know what? The H doesn't doesn't get used enough, Nathan. (laughs) So it's about time we started to use the the letter H. Harry. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it's good. It's so, yeah, it's so, it's so true. I think. We, you know, breeders, uh, you know, often often uh, don't get enough credit for that sort of initial planning that goes into it. And you know, we we had um, a, a previous episode with um, uh, Harley and Cocavoodles, which we talked about stud dogs and and you know the planning that goes into the the mating. And then you go back even further and adding dogs to your program. And, and then George, obviously, with Oravin and genetic testing. So, you know, there's there's a whole journey that you know you, that takes you up to that eight, eight weeks as well. Absolutely, yes. And really, without all of that, you can't do much in that eight weeks. If you've got bad temperamented parents, you really are behind the eight ball with your puppies. So, yeah, there's a lot to do to get to that eight weeks to then say, as I say, put the icing on the cake. But um, it is equally as important, provided you've got the foundations right on on getting those puppies to start with. Mm. And, I mean, for for anyone who's you know, been living under a rock, maybe doesn't necessarily know why we keep saying eight weeks, eight weeks. It's because, you know, as a, as a breeder, obviously, and, and, and as part of, you know, state guidelines and, and, and regulations, breeders need to have a puppy with them and with, you know, generally um, in, in the breeding home for eight weeks before they can give them to a puppy parent. Um, and that's really important. So, you know, if any, any puppy owners that are listening, if any breeder is out there saying, you know, oh, you know, you can pick up from seven or six weeks, you know, that's a big red flag. Um, and eight weeks is, is, is the minimum that, you know, a breeder can actually allow for a puppy to, to go home. So that's why we often talk about eight weeks as that, that sort of magic number. That's right. Yes. And in fact, good breeders even will hold them for longer based on how that puppy is developing. So I recently I actually had a litter I kept until 10 weeks because based on their milestones, they were a little bit slower than your typical litter because every litter is different. Um, so, yes, it, eight weeks is the absolute bare minimum. Um, it could be nine or 10 weeks before you can take your puppy home if that's what the breeder has decided the puppy needs. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, looking through that, like let's let's go on a bit of a journey, I guess, through that eight weeks. 
you know, because I'm I'm keen to sort of follow follow along in your footsteps, Sarah, as well. So, you know that that first sort of week, you know, you've got you've got the pups, you know, they're they're still effectively, you know, tiny little things that haven't opened their eyes, their ears often are closed as well, which people don't necessarily think about, you know, it does take that little bit of time for, for their senses to develop. You know, how, how do you care for the pups when they, they really can't, can't care for themselves at that stage? You know, what, what, what does that first sort of couple of days look like? I, I refer to them as little slugs because when they're born, they're tiny little things. My particular breed, Cavoodles, they'll fit on the palm of my hand and they're little hairy slugs and they just slug around. And they, <laughs> like you say, they've got no senses. My, the first three days of a puppy's life, my entire focus is on the mother um, because she does all the work. Um, a good mother will do the cleaning and the, the um, keeping the puppies warm, etc. So it's like the first 24 or the first 72 hours, I'm entirely focused on the mum. I've got to keep her hydrated, her fed, her comfortable, her clean. And, and my only real focus at that point for the puppies is to make sure that they can find mum and that they can latch onto mum's nipple to suckle um, for the first couple yeah. of days. So that, that's initially what I do. Um, beyond that, they're up to about week two, their eyes are starting to open, their ears are starting to open, they're starting to get a little bit more mobile. It's all about making sure their temperature is maintained, that they can continue to find mum. Again, I'm very focused on mum in those first couple of weeks because I need to make sure her nutrition is right so that she's feeding the puppies effectively. Um, so for the first few weeks, it's as much about mum as it is about the puppies. And can I ask, Sarah, on average, how many, what's your litter size? My dogs, on average, I think would be a five five wow. puppy litter. I have had litters of two. I've had litters of eight. But on average, I'd say five. Um, and that's based on the fact my girls are all about six or seven kilos. So they're not big dogs. And that really is probably the most I would want a dog of that size to have. Um, so five is enough. So that's six to seven kilos. That's, oh, it's, um, if you can keep them down to that weight. I mean, I've got mine is seven and a half and I've got to lose another kilo. Just had it just about six kilos. Don't laugh, Nathan. It's the hardest thing I've had to do. I had to take my Mary to the vet and the first thing they said, she's got to lose weight. You know how it is to get a dog to lose weight when they're oh, Yes. And also we need a medical update very briefly on, on Mary because she had cruciate surgery. Yes, sorry, Sarah. You had a cruciate surgery and good news, Nathan, doing very, very well. Walking very on the leg now and of she's lost four hundred grams, eight point five. She's down to eight point one. I've got to get it down to seven kilos. Mm. Now, Sarah, I've got talking about a dog. When you sweep up, you know, rubbish in the kitchen, and you move around to get the dustpan, she's there eating what you've swept up. Right, so she's not fussy. No, oh, you're in. The, you know, when I say kids dinner ready, guess who's the first person to run? <laughs> Mary, she knows now when she hears a fry pan, when the barbecue cover comes off, she gets excited. <laughs> so doing very well. Thank you, Nathan, for asking because it is she's sitting in a little pink cushion bed right next to me here. But recovering, Sarah, it was tragic. She was given every drug under the sun when she first came out, sort of jumping a bit now and then she's what i think eight weeks now we go and visit the vet again great vet i don't want to shout out vets but I, I, 
because I don't want to plug vets on this show yet, but one of the best vets I've been to, very reasonable, very affordable, and she's doing well. Back again in two weeks. I think I'll have her swimming at the beach and running and still not as quick as Charlie, but thank you for asking. She's doing very well. It's a quick update, and I'm doing well. That's good. Dog first, and then we'll check in with George. (laughs) Emotionally, it was hard for me because you're talking to someone who would never pay more than $300 at a vet. So when the vet sat down with me and said, it's going to cost you this much, Sarah, I just, you know, I said, I've got to do it. I can't, I can't not let her survive on three legs. No. So she's doing That's well. Good. And now the, the vet said to me, if she doesn't lose another kilo, you could have another one on the other leg. So all of a sudden I'm trying. So one, I think on a podcast, if I can get someone on to help me, because I know. Dog, dog weight loss. Yeah, I'm the problem. Because we're the, I'm the one that feeds her. That's the Greek in you. It's the the, the feeder. Eat more. Eat more. Good. He's more. Take some with you. you oh, know? gosh. So I'm trying to get her down on dry, Sarah, trying to reduce it. But, you know, what do you do when a dog looks at you, wagging the tail? And you're yeah, sick, it's hard. You know, it is hard. So mm-hmm. when you said... Seven, six to seven kilos. I thought, how do you do that for, especially for a cavoodle? Because you know, a griffin is is small enough. The mm-hmm. other great news I must tell you about Nathan and Sarah is that Charlie's losing weight because I'm reducing food, but Charlie exercises. He's literally gone down to almost his ribs. He's the he's easy. I wish I, I wish Mary was that easy. Uh, and I'll give you I'll give you a grooming update at the next podcast because Sarah, what I've done is I've bought myself a grooming table and some. Oh, shoes. oh, and good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried that myself. Yeah, Sarah, let me tell you, it's, it's becoming. Some, some person approached me and said, "Is that, um, is that a griffin?" It, you know, I groom so badly, <laughs> people can't. Identify the breed. Oh gosh! <laughs> so anyway, I'm getting there. The kids are telling me, Dad, give it up. But I'm sort of now using the scissors to feather. Well, the good thing um, is the hair always grows back. So nothing you. you do is permanent. That's right. Yeah. And so you know keep, keep practising. Right. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's not like Mary can turn around to me and go, Dad, I'm not going to school. You're giving me a bad hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. she's going to. They can't see what they look like. They can't see. She still comes into the office with me. She's she will fine. love you regardless. So I'll give yes. you an update. I'll keep you updated. Thanks nice. for mentioning, Nathan. You, oh, it's good because, you know, here I was thinking Nathan did not care, Sarah. I, I love Mary. I, I, I miss her. I can't wait to see her back. So, yes, back to the weight. Yeah, next yeah. time. So, I, one thing I will say, I have been looking at, I love, Sarah, how you've, the naming of your studs. Can you explain? Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Tell, let people know the names of your studs. <laughs> Please. I have, I have two stud dogs. I have Robert Redford, who is okay. a, a poodle. Yes. And I have Charlton Heston, Heston. Mm. who is a chocolate cavoodle. But all of my dogs, I have a theme. I'm not Which sure else? where it came from, but they're all named after old school movie stars. So. Excellent. Mm. Love it. And you give them a little pet name, sort of yes. cool name. Yes, that's it. Yes. Best. Well, it's a little hard to call out Ginger Rogers every time, so she just gets called Smooch. So, yeah, they've all got a, <laughs> a nickname as well. But, um, yeah, they've all got movie star names. Oh, I love so. that. You know, I had to look at so Old school glamour. So I, mm, I, exactly. I saw, I saw your studs, you know, what were you, what are your girls' 
Um, no, quick we at... have a uh, Ginger Rogers. Ginger, we have yeah. a, a Grace Kelly. Yes. Yeah. Um, who else do I have? Greta. In, Greta Garbo. Yes. Doris. Gre Greta's gorgeous. Doris oh. Day. Yep, they're all old school. Jeez, oh. I'd love to be a stud in your thing. You've got two studs to about what? How many? <laughs> Emmy, <laughs> eight, eight. Yes, they have. A, they, they have a good, yeah, they have a good time. Good time. Whoa. They have a very good life. I'm and a little another, Charlton Heston. He's still just a bubber, though. He's a, only six months old. And another shout out, Sarah. I don't know if you did this the day before the podcast, but you've got the Orivet logo on there. Thank you. I he, did. One of the partners. This is sincere. This is. I'm I've glad many, you found that. Glad I've had many that. guests on, but you know. A lot of them like to sort of shout, but this is fantastic. And the new logo too, Nathan. Oh, She's up to date. Found it. I found it. Don't worry. Now, I'm trying to see, though, if you've got right paw there. I can't seem to find. This could be a first. Oh, Usually, goodness. Oh, no. It should be. This, no, it's not. I'm telling you, this is like, this is a first. Usually it's the other way around, Sarah. You know, it's right paw this and right paw that. And this is, Orivet is first. And then you've got a groomer and you've got a vet clean. I'm trying to find right. Oh, dear. Find it. All right. <laughs> we, we can get Sarah a shiny logo to uh, to pop onto her website at some point. But Sarah Sarah's a, a great Rightpool breeder. She's been on Rightpool for the last little while as well. When I Googled your website, you, it was Rightpool was second. Yes. As part of you. Yes. So they, I do acknowledge that, you know, mm. they've done their bit. They've, so they are, they are a good they, they are an excellent way of you filtering a lot of your lunatic clients. <laughs> I mean, sorry, a lot of clients through the right paw portal. No, look, I, we're big fans of right paw. Um, we were there early on in the right paw development and honestly for us it was such a, a breath of fresh air at a time when we were really struggling with dealing with our waiting lists and our, our inquiry levels. So, um, no, Right Paw is definitely one of our partners. And I've just sent a quick email to my IT people to <laughs> add Right Paw to my partner. So, by the time the podcast is up and live, we'll. Uh... Okay, he'll edit this. You know what he'll He'll edit this, Sarah, <laughs> and he'll it'll come on like Right, right Paw was always there and he's, you've just added. And first. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, you know me, George. Not like that. No, at no. <laughs> good. This is good. Well, I'm, you know, about time. It's uh, been a while. I haven't given you any banter, Nathan. It's been. No, I know. It's um. Well, enough, enough self promotion. It's this is. It's not about us. It's about. It's about Sarah. It's about Sarah. And and look, I, I and now you know what if we if we ever wanted to know what Robert Redford and Doris Day's children would have looked like, well, we know. We know now. This is true. This is true. So, Sarah, you you told us about the first two weeks, and the first two weeks is really important about getting the you know the mum to the pups and making yep. sure. That Let's talk now about the next two weeks. Let's try well, and break it down into segments of four. If we do it two weeks at a time. Okay. Yeah. Well, within that first two weeks, I also do start the handling of the puppies, and I've got a, a little. Um, routine that I do that is all about handling the puppies with the entire my entire focus is on how can I handle my puppy now to make the puppy easier to handle for my families when the puppies go home so I do four holds and I do 10 uh, touches on various parts of the pup for example, I rub their feet and I put my fingers between their toes and that is so 
when the person has the puppy at home at 10, 12 weeks old, they can easily trim their nails without the puppy reacting to having their feet touched. Um, I also touch them around their mouth and stick my fingers in their mouth. And that's so the people at home can easily put a wormer in the, in the dog's mouth when they're older. So I do have a handling routine that I do two or three times a day with the puppies. And it only takes a few minutes, but it is all about how the puppies will be easier to handle when they're older. Mm -hmm. um, and I do start that at around that in those, within those first two weeks. And then in, in the subsequent four to six weeks and six to eight weeks, I add additional things to those handling, including trimming of the nails, but also wiping of the face, shaving of the bottom and hygiene areas, all of those things to essentially make the puppy very relaxed mm. about being held in different positions, held upside down um, and handled without being uh, too sensitive or too reactive so that they're nice and calm mm. for the families, for their vets, for their groomers, for all the people that have to handle the puppy as they grow. Because mm. they're just sponges, I guess, in that first eight weeks. You know, it's just about, ex I guess, exposing them to as many you know, experiences, sensations so that, yeah, when they do go home, they're not suddenly spooked by, you know, something that they haven't experienced before or, or you know, someone putting their fingers in a particular place where they, they didn't, you know, didn't like it or between the toes. So all of those things are sort of, yeah, as you said, it's, it's, it's creating the canvas, like making sure that everything is, you know, able for the owners to build off of that. Exactly. Yes, the perfect blank canvas. That's what I'm aiming for because I, I can't possibly expose them to everything and nor can I teach no. them everything. But as long as I've given them the perfect foundation, they are then um, able to be moulded and to be built on without any issues. So that, that's my aim in the first eight weeks. And, and at three weeks, uh, three and four weeks is when they can start to hear. That's when I start to do uh, noises and sounds and allow them to learn that big loud noises might scare them but it's not something to be fearful of um, so that's when I go beyond touch and I start doing um, sound desensitization as well and it's all about as I said before every litter is different so although I have a program and an outline that I like to work towards I do have to change it to each litter because there's not a one-size-fits-all to each litter. Um, so, you know, some litters I'm working at, with, at four weeks and I've got the vacuum cleaner and the leaf blower and other things and other, other puppies I need to wait to five weeks to do that. But for me it's about doing these things and reading their reaction and making sure that I don't push them too far. I'm introducing things gently and calmly and allowing them to react and respond with, in a positive way and reading that reaction before I take it any further. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and now, Sarah, I've got to ask as well, like that, that all makes sense as well. And you know, obviously the desensitization, the vacuum cleaner, the, you know, the TV, the, all of that makes sense. And, but has there ever been, what's, what's been the funniest reaction that you've seen to a, to, to a noise or something? Is there some, is there a time where a dog's heard something and just been absolutely, just gone berserk you know what, what's been a what's been a funny uh funny reaction i think the funniest reaction is a litter i've got at the moment and it was they're now six weeks old and this was at four weeks i have a leaf blower and one particular puppy just stood there and stared at me like 
he wanted me to blow him with it. And I thought this is mostly they react and move away and then come and have a look and move away. He just stood there like yeah, he wanted me to, you know, give him a little he's wind, wind in his hair. Ready for his photo shoot. And, again, yeah. it's interesting because I know Mary does the same thing. She hates being washed but loves a blow dryer. And I go. was out there with the leaf blower and literally just sat there loving it, like, Put her, put her in the bathtub. She wants to run out. But when you get the blow dryer out, it's like, give me, give me your best. Does she also stick her head out of the car window and no. enjoy the fan force no, smells? No, no, no. no. Oh, I wish oh. could. No, she does not. She's not out in the car. She just sits there and doesn't do much. She's oh. not, but, the, but the blowing, interesting leaf blow, that dog's going to gonna go places. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, my, my Dion doorbell question is, we always hear, you know, how great the cavoodle is. Give me, mm-hmm. some, give me some things that sometimes you find can be, you know, an issue with the cavoodle. Like, you know, everyone tells you, oh, it's great, doesn't shed, great. If you had to think of something that you can, as a, as a, as a, as a potential owner, you need to be aware of what is it. There's two things I would say. One is that they are a fantastic dog, but like any dog. They need to be socialised and they need to be trained. So you can't expect, yes, you've just bought a Cavoodle and you might have spent a lot of money on it. You might have gone to a great breeder and it looks cute and it ticks all the boxes, but you can't stick it on the ground at home and expect it to be a perfect dog. So I do think Cavoodle is not unique in this respect. Every dog needs socialisation and training, but they are so smart that they are particularly in need of socialization and training because they're not they're too intelligent they need a stimulation they do yeah they need um they love being with people and being with their family so um they need that interaction and that training but probably the worst thing if i had to pick a bad thing is that quite often they don't have any awareness of personal space so your lap is their lap, your couch okay. is their couch, yeah. um, and it's just about too much love sometimes. I've got one dog in particular that is, you know, she just flips herself inside out to get cuddles. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's probably the one of the worst things is if you don't want a dog on your lap, then you probably don't want to yeah. cavoodle. It's not really a bad thing, though, is it? Well, it can be. <laughs> you need some space. You need, I know yeah. it needs to be everywhere and anywhere, like, you know, you turn around, they're at your feet, you're this, there, you're there. Some, sometimes you do need some space. Yeah, they can be they, they can be your shadow at times. Yes. Yes, they can. Yes. But I mean, but that, you know, that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's sort of what they're bred for as well. You know, they're bred to be companion dogs, so they love to be your companion. It's sort of the, the best and the worst thing sometimes of, you know, of, of, a, of a good behavior. But, you know, you touched on socialization, you know, the, the whole purpose of making sure that the dogs are able to, meet with other people, meet with other dogs, you know, be, be very, you know, adaptable in different circumstances. So, you know, that, that obviously starts, you know, with you and in those early days, you know, how, how do you start to socialize pups with, with each other? And, and I imagine it's also hard because it's, you can't really take them to many places, you know, you, you can't, you know, take them, you know, to the local dog park, obviously. So how, how do you start to socialize the pups in those early stages? 
very early on at three to four weeks when they start to move around themselves, they start to interact with one another. So they're socialising initially with one another. They learn boundaries from each other. They'll pounce and play and start to play rough and work out when things hurt when they're playing with one another. So they get initial socialisation within their litter and their mother is also very good at teaching them boundaries as well in that stage. Mm. In the later weeks, sort of six, seven, eight weeks, I'm very lucky that I do have a lot of space. Um, I've got other dogs, adult dogs. We've got a big old Kelpie as well at home. That is when the pups are old enough, they can interact with my other adult dogs, not just their mother, which is also good for teaching them boundaries because um, another mother is not going to tolerate a puppy of someone else hanging off their ear. So they'll teach them that sort of socialisation boundaries. And the the old Kelpie is a big dog, so she shows the puppies not to be fearful of a dog just because it's much bigger than them. Um, in addition, on the edge of our very big, we've got a one-acre puppy yard where the older puppies go into on the other side of that is horses, so they get to see a very, very large animal and learn not to be frightened of that too. Um, and in those later stages, I do have uh, friends with children that like to come and see the puppies when they're old enough to play with so that the puppies then get to see all different sizes of people, people with beards, tall men, short men, <laughs> little tiny kids, you know, all the, all the different variations of people as well, um, all of which helps the puppies to understand that everything is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, different things are not to be feared. It's it's so funny you mentioned that because I've seen many examples where, you know, there'll be a young pup or, you know, a dog who's really fearful of people in hats or people with beards. Orange vests. And it's just those, you know, those little things that they maybe just haven't, haven't been exposed to or they didn't necessarily know, you know, hats are okay. And I think a lot of the time too, Nathan, they read the what they get off the person. Like sometimes Absolutely. my dog will react because someone who's approaching isn't approaching in a whereas sometimes you'll sit there and chat to someone and be in a real and the dog won't do a thing. Another shout out too. Your website is is sensational. I, I must admit. Now, Nathan, just to also give you a bit of um just to calm you down because I know you're going hysterical that you weren't on there. You are acknowledged on the PDF of the littlest reservation fee terms. I can see that, Sarah. The right paw logo is there, together with the Orivet logo, together with, and you do that very well, Sarah. I don't, is Mark in charge of this or you? <laughs> so, uh, Mark, it's a team effort. Good. Definitely oh, a team effort. Really nice placement of the um, right paw logo, and Dan is a foundation member. So Nathan, it's okay. It's all right. You're I there. don't. We found you on a PDF there together with Ori. Very good. I'm I'm relieved. No, I never had any doubt. It's it's uh I I I've seen that PDF and it's a very good looking PDF and 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 it also sets out you know Sarah's great at sort of setting expectations for her her owners you know in terms of what to expect in the process in the litter so you know it's it's communication is. And key. you know what else I like, Sarah? Your photos. Who takes your photos? Oh, isn't she good? She's oh. a local a local photographer. She specializes in okay. in pets. Yeah. Um, her name's Jen, and uh, she's really done a fantastic good. Oh, she's job. a local. He was thinking it was going to mm. be Mark or yourself again, but you've actually no. gone out and paid for someone. To I do did. Stuff. I okay. got a professional in, and yeah. she she well, was amazing. Tell. Shout out to what's her name? What was her name again? 
Jen from Concept Photography. She'll be very happy for the mention. (laughs) No, really good. I'm looking at the photos. Everything's really nice and just the way she's positioned and the way she's blurred you out and some of them, which is good. And I can think I can see a horse in the background. Is that (laughs) right? Yes, yes. Yeah, we were out in the paddocks at one stage, which is normal. That's where I take my dogs for a run. Mm. Um, That's another thing. They get used to the horses. They get to see the horses as well. They do. And look, that might not be something that any of my families ever have to deal with, you know, showing their puppy a horse. It's certainly not something most people have to see. But um, all it does for the puppies at eight weeks old is to let them be in, you know, to interact with Mm. or to see a very large thing that Mm. moves and might make a noise and might come and look at them and and learn that that's okay, that it's not to be feared. So. Yeah, it's something uh, maybe a lot of owners don't know as well is that sometimes socialization is is literally that just you know looking observing you know being in the presence like that's why it's even when you do get your pup and they're not vaccinated and, and you can't necessarily take them out as much as you'd like even just you know exposing them and taking them in a little trolley or a pram or in a little puppy carrier and just so they can see those things sometimes that as socialization is just as as powerful as actually you know rolling and jumping all over them as well Absolutely. And I do actually recommend for my puppy families when they get home, there might be four weeks before their puppy's fully vaccinated or maybe a bit longer. But if they can team up with someone that they trust with a fully vaccinated dog and, you know, a family environment that they can do play dates with for their dog, it is a good way to do socialisation with other dogs and other people in a safe environment before their dog is fully vaccinated because to keep the dog locked up at home in that crucial developmental stage up to that first 12 weeks because you're fearful of them not being vaccinated is fair enough. It's it's a bit of a, you know, you've got to balance, balance that up. But I do think, you know, not socialising them is a bigger risk. So, yeah, definitely exposing them to as much as you can, as safely as you can, is really crucial in that first few months that they're home. Well, I think I might do competition time. I reckon, yep, let's dive in. You would have missed that last week's listeners would have not had time. No, they didn't. They were waiting for the competition and... and you know, I think we need to bring it back. Yeah, so Sarah, what we do is I give away a full breed profile voucher and to every podcast. So what we do is we need people to email george at orivet.com and we're going to set the date as being the, give me a so date. Let's, let's go for the 5th of November. 5th of November at between 10.30 and 10.35 a.m., Daylight savings time, so they must email me between that time with the answer to this question. Robert Redford won an Academy Award. Can you please email me what that was, what he won that for? Ooh. Ooh. So interesting. Do you know Sarah? I don't. Oh, I don't. I'm a big go. fan, but I don't. Yeah, was it go. was it in his young spunky years or his older, mm. more distinguished years? Young spunky. Okay, I'll Google that. <laughs> Google that. Yeah, so yeah. 5th of November between 10.30 to 10.35 to the value of $195 for a full breed profile. There you go. Lovely. Put it in your calendars. Get ready to go. And unfortunately, Sarah, 
you can't. I'm not allowed in it, am I? We allow it because it, then it, it's sort of it's cheating the system. Nathan's tried it a few times through other names. <laughs> yeah, I've created a few accounts. Yeah, yeah, and it comes through, and I think, no, no I'm not, I've caught you out. He tracks the IP addresses. He knows. Yeah, Jim Oliveri. Yeah, like <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've tried. I have tried to win this competition before, legitimately, Look, and haven't. Oh, so, Sarah, based on what I've seen here today, I might give you a call and just give you some loyalty. But this is a, I, I've seen a website that's plugging actually Orivet as much as this is worth. Please, someone who you know, it's it, only the, only the best for you, George, and the podcast. There you go. Winning more, uh, it's like Sarah. Absolutely, and look, Sarah, bring us home. Let's let's go into the last that you know, lead up to the pups coming home. You know, you've you've got you know you've really laid the foundations that you know starting the desensitization, you're starting the socialization, and then owners obviously that they they want to know that some of the basics, I guess, have have been started. You know, your your toilet trainings, your crate trainings. You know that that they can actually you know slip a harness onto them and they're okay with that. You know, how do you start to or when and and how do you start to introduce those? sort of, you know, really fundamental things um, with your pups? Yeah, in the in the last six, seven, eight weeks, um, not prior to that because that's sort of a bit beyond the babies obviously, but um, my pups do have a collar on from about four weeks, a proper collar, so they, they get used to that. Um, it's really about doing things slowly, gently, kindly, but also um, uh, being a bit firm as well. So putting the putting the harness on, for example, and letting them feel that. Now, they might roll around, they might scratch at it, they might look like they've got fleas for a minute while they get used to that sensation, but distracting them with playing with a game with them, for example, while they've got the harness on and then taking the harness off. So nothing that I do with them is too long a period of time to keep stress levels down, to keep the interaction down because ultimately they are still babies and they tire quickly and, you you know, you don't want to push things with the pups so crate training is the same that for me it's more about getting them familiar with a crate as opposed to actual crate training which mm. is something really they can't do until they're older but getting them used to or happy to sit in a crate hearing the banging of the metal around mm. them going in having a sniff and then letting them out so it's really simple short sharp lessons like that that help them feel comfortable with it be desensitized to it understand it and again, be a good foundation for people to do more training with down the track. Lead training is the same. Lead training is just about putting a lead on the collar that they've already had on for a few weeks, letting them walk around with it, not letting them panic if they do pull against it, um, just keeping things calm but keeping it short as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, it's probably a good FYI for owners out there that, you know, breeders can do a lot of the legwork, but you know, a lot of it still happens when you take your pup home as well. And, you know, even the most well-trained toilet trained pup, you know, might have accidents when they're in a new environment. So it's, you know, the breeders will have laid the foundations, but there's still that, you know, there's still a bit more to do uh, when, when you bring your pup home as well. So just, you know, for all those owners out there that, you know, there's no such thing as a perfectly, you know, trained dog, you know, there's still a bit of work that needs to be put in. That's right. And look, I, I don't have children, but I do say to my puppy families, if you've got children and you brought your child home from the hospital, it wasn't toilet trained. It didn't <laughs> sleep through the night. It didn't no. know how to read and write. Um, and your puppy is the same. It's got yeah. some basics, but there's some learning ahead. 
Um, and if you've got a, a puppy that's set up well, that learning will be an easier journey. I guess for, for anyone out there who's, you know, listening and thinking about, you know, their breeding program maybe or, you know, their sort of, you know, how, how they start to you know, socialize and raise their pups, you know, are, th- are there any programs or, or courses you think that you'd recommend or, you know, how, how, did you, how did you start to, I guess, you know, build up, build up your, your program? My program comes from experience and probably having the benefit of having dogs in my life and having breeders in my childhood as well within the family. So mine really has come from experience and probably an understanding of dog behaviour and then the protocol I put in place to work around natural behaviours and and natural instincts of dogs. So I didn't really do a course. There's lots of courses out there. There's one called Puppy Culture that I think as a brand new, if someone wanted to get into breeding and didn't really understand or really wanted to get the basics down, that Puppy Culture program is probably a good one to look at. Um, But there there, there are quite a few Mm. online. Um, But I think nothing beats experience. Couldn't agree more. Look at George, perfect example. Done no courses. <laughs> Very just it's finished my education, but you learn as you go along, you make your mistakes, what works, what doesn't. And and you learn what works for your breed and and your your dogs as well. I think we've come to that sort of part of the podcast, Nathan, which the guess is really the the star of it. I, I've been thinking while I was away and I, I want to sort of change this a bit. So I'm going to give Sarah this. Sarah's the, the first person to get George's new pick a number, Nathan. I, I, I haven't even sort of run this past Nathan. No, we're, we're doing it live. Let's go. So <laughs> I'm keen. Should I be scared? No, no. We no, pick a number, but because I'm at home, I thought I'm going to sort of throw this around. I've got a book, which is your breed disposition to diseases which you can pick a number off. But more importantly, I think I'd change it. I've got my my um, Ottolenghi recipe book and you can pick a number out of the recipe book and I'm going to talk about the recipe that's in there as well. So doesn't we're sort of trying to change it. And I've also got uh, Lowell Ackerman's vet care, uh, pet-specific vet care for the team here. So you can choose whatever book you want. I've, now, I've parked the breed book aside for this episode, Nathan, but I might introduce it for the next one. I might have three books. So you can choose the Lowell Ackerman Vet Team Pet-Specific Care. You can choose the Ottolenghi Recipe Book, which is one of my favourites, or you can choose the Breed Disposition to Diseases for Dogs and Cats. So once you choose the book, Sarah, then we can pick a number. Well, it is lunchtime and I am particularly hungry, so I'm leaning towards the recipe book. However, it would be remiss of me to not take advantage of your brain, George, and go with the disease traits. Sorry, is that my point? I was ready to go. I don't believe it because I was really gearing up. It's okay. Look, George, we we can do that another time because that's one of my favourite cookbooks. So I do I do love Ottolenghi Simple. Yeah, isn't it? So we, we're going for the breed disposition. This I one? think so. I think so. Yes. You've chosen the yes. most boring bloody book. No, you've chosen a really good. So pick me a number. <laughs> okay. And we'll Between see what, what one and what? What's my highest number? Oh, you you can go to. We don't want to go to the bibliography. <laughs> really, no. No. Be boring. So we're going to go to. Let's go to 287. 
I pick 173. Let's go. Okay. So um, 173 takes me to. Um, if it's in the cat section, I'll read. No, you. it's not. <laughs> okay. So in 173, we can choose between two breeds, which is the Saluki and the Samoid. So I'll let you select between these those two breeds. I like the Saluki. Good choice because very the nice. Samoid very elegant. That, the Samoid went for one and a half pages of <laughs> diseases that oh, was dear. available to. So this book is a really good book because it's it references every disease that's been seen by veterinarians and includes a um a scientific publication to support it. So when we look at the Saluki, the the Breed dispositions to disease in dogs and cats. It's, a, it's the one by Goff and Thomas, for those that are interested. It says that it has um, uh, three conditions that are cited in this book. Um, two of them fall under the neurological condition, and one is a lysosomal storage disease or seroid lipofuscinosis or NCL, which we do offer. Interesting. Good. As a genetic test, it's inherited. It's rare, and you see the signs in one to two years. So we have a number of NCLs. There's an NCL Saluki. There's an NCL Border Collie. There's an NCL American Bulldog. There is one we offer here. So that's in the neuro. And there's also a neurological condition called the leukodystrophy. Again, fairly rare. The grey matter primarily affects um, in this breed, and the clinical signs appear at three to six months. Then the other condition that's referenced here is one which is a dermatological condition of black hair follicular dysplasia. It's very uncommon. Changes usually seen by about four weeks of age and inherited as an autosomal recessive trait. So there you go. Page 173, the Saluki as selected by Sarah because she thinks it's, it is a very graceful breed. Thank God we didn't do the Samoy because it would go on for one and a half hours. Yeah, but have a whole nother podcast. You know, we can, we can um, you know, create a new podcast, which is all, you know, What the Chef, all about, all about, all about cooking and, you know, George's, George's weekend meals when he takes the barbecue off. And Who knows what book I'll bring as my three books to select from next podcast, Nathan. I might mix it around. We'll see. You know? Oh, I so hope someone picks a recipe. I should have picked a recipe. No, it's fine. You did the right thing. You <laughs> stuck with the norm. We sort of. I don't know. I don't know how litigious Ottolenghi is. Whether he's going to come after us for copyright infringement, I don't know. But let me have a look. What, what number did you pick? One seventy-five. Just, I just want to have a quick look and see what you um, what what we what Nathan and I could. What's have for lunch? Yeah, what's nice. for lunch? Oh, didn't mean to look for dinner. One seven three. Was it one seven three? It's a Thai sticky rice with crispy ginger, not just normal ginger, crispy, and chilli and peanuts. Mm. Yes, that yeah. is right up my alley. So that's next time. We're going to bring that <laughs> yeah. We'll bring it back. Back. Mm. Very what nice. a great podcast, hey? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing all about the first eight weeks. It was great to, to dive into that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to talk to you both. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. You've rejuvenated me again. I thought, you know, I was getting to the stage where was this going to last these podcasts and then Nathan gave me a break. So I'm ready. This is like, I'm ready. This is like the first one I've ever done again. He's back in. He's reborn. 
You're like Robert Redford. The career is endless. It's just going. It's going. Going. It gets better, and he he gets better as he gets older. He does. He's like a fine wine. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he is. So I'm back. George is back, Nathan. Don't worry. (laughs) We've got another one tomorrow. We're back in bit. Yeah, that's it. Back in business. And and look for anyone who wants to learn more about about Sarah. Sarah, how how can uh, how can our listeners find you? Well, I'm on the right Paul platform. It's a good start. Very good start. Yep. Here we go. We thought we'd done enough of his plug-in right for you. <laughs> but uh, probably the best starting spot would be my website, which is waterhillcavoodles.com.au. All my info is there and yeah. they can contact me from there if anyone wants to know more. Great website. It's the best place to start, I agree. Very and you know what I love about it? As soon as you go to the homepage... There's a picture there of Sarah. So you know exactly what you're dealing with. It's no, you know, where do I find? There it is. There's Sarah on the front. Yep, there's me. There's no hiding. Healthy, happy, huggable. Yes, thank you, Mark. (laughs) Lovely. Well, look, Sarah, thank you again for joining us. And George, we'll be back in the saddle. We'll we'll be uh, back on again soon. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.